Jesus. Woo! Amen. It is so good to be in the house of the Lord on a Tuesday night. I'm excited. I'm excited. Y'all do me a favor. Y'all can make your way back to your seats. Y'all can even be seated for just a moment. Y'all be seated for just a moment. Isn't God good? Amen. God's so good. Amen. All the time. Man, where do I begin? Um, God has just been so good to us. We have the best church in the whole entire world. Amen. It's so true. We got the very best church in the whole entire world. I'm so thankful. I'm so thankful to God for saving me, for redeeming me. Anybody thankful that Jesus came into your life? Amen. Amen. I'm so thankful for my leadership, Bishop and First Lady. Amen. Amen. Bishop, I love you so much. Thank you for trusting me with this opportunity. And thank you. I don't take this lightly. Um, thank you, First Lady. I love you so much. Amen. Y'all, a little quick testimony. Um, when I was 19, my, I lost my mom to cancer. But, you know, it was only a couple weeks later that I got my mom back. And, um, yes, amen. My mom's, yes, hey, that's all right. And uh, it's funny because I feel like how Bishop felt. Because if you know the story, you know the story. I'm not going to go into it, but... You know, my mom's name was Barbara, so I just feel like uh, God gave me my mom back. So, Mama, I love you. Thank you for everything. Amen. Amen. Sorry, I'm not trying to get sentimental. I'll be all right. I promise. <laughs> I want to thank my wife, my lovely wife. She's right here. I love you, babe. Thank you so much. Amen. Amen. She looks mighty fine tonight. Amen. All right. I got to stop. All right. I'm sweating. <laughs> Y'all, I'm so sorry I'm, if I'm being relaxed and all that stuff. I just, I feel like tonight's a family night, and y'all are my family, and I love you. I just want to say that. I love y'all. Amen. We might not talk all the time, and if we don't, forgive me. But just know that I love each and every one of you all equally. I love you guys so much. I love you. And then a big special thank you and a shout out to all the youth. Youth, I love y'all. Where y'all at? Amen. Amen. So, guys, I have, I'm up here, obviously, to talk, <laughs> to talk to you guys. But uh, I have a burden tonight. And um, I feel like I heard Bishop say something to where the best meals are the ones that are prepared for yourself. So tonight I have a word for this house, but this word also is for me. Amen. Amen. Let's all stand all across this house. Amen. Amen. God's been dealing with me about this for a while now, and I just wanted to, well, I know now is the right opportunity. <laughs> so I want to go to two portions of Scripture. I want to go to the book of Luke, chapter 22. We're going to begin at verse number 39, Luke 22 and 39. you have it, say amen. Amen. And the Bible says, and he, being Jesus, came out and went. And as he went to the Mount of Olives, and his disciples also followed him. 
And when he, is, he was at the place, he said unto them, Pray that ye enter not into temptation. And he was withdrawn from them about a stone's cast, and kneeled down and prayed, saying, Father, if thou be willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. And there appeared an angel unto him from heaven, strengthening him. And being in an agony, he prayed more earnestly, and his sweat was as it were great drops of blood falling down to the ground. One more portion of scripture, if you can go to the book of Jonah, chapter 1. The book of Jonah, the minor prophet, chapter 1. Begin at verse number 1. The Bible says, Now the word of the Lord came unto Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry against it, for their wickedness is come up before me. But Jonah rose up to flee unto Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. If we can all lift our hands in this house. Come on, let's talk to Jesus. Let's talk to Jesus. Let's talk to our Savior. Lord, we love you. We thank you for everything that you're doing in this place. God, I worship you. God, let me hide behind the cross, Jesus. Anoint my lips of clay, God. Anoint our hearts. God, to receive the word that you have for us tonight, Jesus. God, let this word go forth, Lord, and let us be changed, Jesus. And God, help us to accomplish your will. God, we lift up your name, God, because your name is greater. And we thank you for your word. We thank you for your redeeming power, Jesus. I worship you and I give you all the praise and all the glory and all the honor. Can somebody clap your hands and just say in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. Now before you're seated, I just want to say this is a family night, so let me preface that. Um, I don't have... How do I say this? I don't have any cool stories or anything to just really not say captivate you, but I just want to jump straight in. Is that all right tonight? Amen. Let's clap our hands one more time as we're seated in the presence of the Lord. I want to preach for just a few moments, losing control. Somebody turn to your neighbor and say, losing control. Amen. Turn to your other neighbor and say, losing control. Amen. Why did Jonah run away from the call of God? What is it about the Ninevites that made Jonah run the other direction? I imagine that this wouldn't be Jonah's first rodeo. A prophet, a man of God, someone filled with the Spirit of God where the Spirit of God would move upon him. I don't believe that this was his first ever move as a prophet. Nineveh was the capital of the Assyrian Empire, empire <clears throat> which dominated the ancient Near East for about 300 years. Its rise to power began at the time of the division of the Hebrew kingdom. At the close of Solomon's reign, Assyria would eventually be the people who would wipe out and take captive the northern kingdom of Israel. Jonah's call from God was to help the very enemy that would eventually destroy them. What are you going to do when God tells you to deliver a word to the very people who hurt you? 
It's in the word of the Lord. Can you go to them and say, you've got to repent. God loves you too much to see you die in your sins. I'm wondering if any of us can go to the deadbeat dad who might have left us years ago and say, I love you, but you got to repent. I forgive you, but you got to repent. Can we go to the person who might have intentionally hurt us, intentionally caused us harm, and say that Jesus still loves you even though you might have made mistakes? Can we go to the very people that might have hurt us in times past and say, I'm praying for you, and I hope God blesses you? It's hard. Mm. Jonah could not handle this. So he decided to pack up his bags and leave for Tarshish. From the presence of the Lord, the Bible says. Tarshish is thought to have been Tartessus, a mining colony in southwestern Spain. This tells us that Jonah was heading for the farthest end of the known world at the time. That's why running away will never solve your problems. Running away from the call of God will never solve your problems. Backsliding is never the answer. Backsliding is never the option. I never just want to hit the quit button and say, that's it, I'm done, I just give up. Quitting is not an option. Jonah, can I just preach to you for just a moment? This is the church that God has called you to. Don't run away. Don't run away from the call that God has in your life. Amen. Not only did he go in the opposite direction of Nineveh, but he went as far away as he could. So Jonah decides to pack his bags and leave. Jonah 1 and 4, it says, but the Lord. Woo, but the Lord. Somebody shout, but the Lord. We could just talk about that right for a second. We might want to leave and we might want to do our own thing, but God steps in. I might want to do things on my own. I might think what I'm thinking is right, but God steps in and he changes my life. Aren't you thankful that God steps in? Aren't you thankful that God can interrupt our lives in just a moment? Woo! Amen. Jonah 1 and 4. But the Lord, somebody shout, but the Lord sent out a great wind into the sea, and there was a mighty tempest in the sea, so that the ship was like to be broken. I'm so glad that God has enough mercy to send storms my way. I know that might not be popular preaching, but storms come directly from God. Can I just tell you that your storm that you might be going through might be straight from the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Amen. Amen. That's why when I'm heading the wrong way, God sends a storm to just shake me up a bit. I wonder if anybody is just thankful for the storm. Thankful for the storm because it's working together for my good. Amen. I might not see it right now. I might not see why everything's happening, but it's working together for my good. Can somebody just clap your hands and worship the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords? Amen. Amen. God's got a storm with your name on it. And you can't run away from that storm because when it's meant for you, there's nothing you can do to run away. There's nothing you can do to try to hide. There's a song that says, you can't run and you can't hide. There's no need 
need to try? Not going to keep singing, but. God sends the storms to help us. That's my brother, my sister. That storm you're going through is for you. It's working for you. It's elevating you. Come on, it's helping you. Can somebody believe that? Come on, somebody. Where's the people with faith? We can shout when God's blessing us, but can we shout when things aren't going our way? Can we shout when maybe I don't know what to do? I don't have enough money to pay the bills. Can we shout when things aren't going our way? I'm thankful for the storm. I'm thankful for the storm. I'm thankful that it's got my name all over it. Because you know what? When I come out of the storm, I'm going to be stronger. I'm going to be wiser. I'm going to be better. So much better. Amen. Amen. Jonah 1 and 5. See, look, in three verses, four verses. My God, we got all this. <laughs> then the mariners were afraid and cried every man unto his God and cast forth the wares that were in the ship into the sea to lighten it of them. But Jonah was gone down into the sides of the ship and he lay and was fast asleep. So God sends the storm to try and shake Jonah. And Jonah is fast asleep. Can I just remind somebody on, from Sunday night, beware of tired. Beware of being worn out. You can't sleep the storm away. No matter how hard you try, I don't, know, I don't care how hard, heavy of a sleeper you are, you can't, you can't sleep the storm that God has called for you away. You can't just put your head down and say, everything's going to be all right. I'm going to wake up and try to avoid the process. You can't avoid the process. You can't avoid the storm. Amen. We can gather a lot of information from this text right here. First off, you can't sleep storms away. Amen. Second is, when you try to ignore the storm meant for you, you drag others into the storm with you. Let me say it again. When you try to ignore the storm meant for you, you drag others into the storm with you. My God. When you continue to ignore the call and storm, you're risking the lives of others because we don't want to face the problems we have. We potentially hurt others and we hide behind excuses. Come on, I'm talking to myself tonight. It's so easy to say, Jesus, help me. It's so easy to say that, you know, oh, God help me. It's so easy for me to say, you know what, Pastor Hammond, I'm so busy after Sunday mornings that I can't come stand here and help baptize somebody. I'm just going to be vulnerable. We call ourselves ministers, but when it's time to do the ministry, it's all right, because I deal with this. This is, what, this is what God has been speaking to me about. God calls us not for this, not for the mic but for this, for the souls of others, for the helping, for the edifying of the saints. This word is for you. This word is to help you. This word is to edify you and build you up. 
That's why I got to lose control. That's why I got to lose control of my life. Jesus, let me not jump ahead. Jesus, help us. Is this all right tonight? First lady, you are more than welcome to come. Please, if you want to interrupt me, you can preach better than me anyway. The Bible says that the men cast forth their wares into the sea to lighten the ship. That word wares means a prepared apparatus or instrument. So they threw away prepared armor, prepared instruments, prepared vessels, prepared tools, prepared jewels, prepared weapons, prepared yokes. All the things of value they threw overboard. Tools that were precious, valuable things that were thrown away. And we think that because you and I are going through the storm, that it's an appropriate time to step down from ministries. Can't get no amen in the house tonight. Look, y'all, this is for us. This is a family night. I love you. This is for me, too. We think it's appropriate that when I'm going through a struggle, Brother Desmond, that you know what? I can step down from choir for just a little bit because it takes up too much of my time. Choir's not taking up too much of your time. Can I preach that? Maybe your phone might be taking too much of your time. That's not even in my notes. I'm sorry. Maybe Instagram is taking too much of your time. Maybe YouTube is taking too much of your time away. Maybe that book that has no value that you're reading is taking up too much of your time. They threw their wares into the sea, throwing valuable things that'll help us, valuable instruments that'll help us get through tough times. We throw it away and we cast it into the sea, thinking that it'll lighten the load, thinking that it'll make things easier. Well, if I just drop ministry here, I'll have some time. And if I drop ministry here, it'll be a load off my shoulders. You think you're doing yourself a service by dropping out, not realizing you're putting your soul in danger. Experts say the ship that is most at danger in a storm is a ship that's empty. The ship that's at most danger during a storm is a ship that's empty. The Bi uh, it's not the Bible, I'm sorry. Can I just tell somebody, an idle mind is the devil's playground. I'd rather my time be filled up with ministry and me not doing anything that I have to do just so I can keep on the straight and narrow. The Bible says straight is the way and narrow is the way that people should be saved. Ships are at most dangerous. They're most dangerous times when they're empty. It's so funny because we think, I'm sorry, I don't know why I want to keep going back to this. We think that dropping out of things is lightening the load. But really, what you're doing is you're making it more dangerous for yourself. Because the ships need that weight to be steady. 
But you see, what happens is when you get rid of all the weight, you think that, okay, I'll be lighter now. Maybe I'll just move a little freer. Not realizing when the waves hit, when the storm comes, you have a greater chance of running into something, toppling over, sinking. I did research on this. You know, there are three million shipwrecks in the ocean right now, just from the United Kingdom alone. Can I just turn it into a spiritual viewpoint for you for just a moment? How many apostolics are sunken at the bottom of the ocean, buried, because you know what? They might have let go of some things. Let me tell you, those things, those ministries are there to help you. Those ministries are there to keep you grounded. Let me preface, you should have a relationship outside of your ministries. You should have a relationship with God outside of your ministries. But you realize it keeps you accountable. It keeps you on top of things. It makes sure that you don't just, what does the Bible say? When your hands are folded together, a little folding of the hands, and so shall your poverty come upon you. It keeps you accountable. It keeps you on top. It keeps you in check. Amen. Can somebody say amen in the house? Amen. amen. The enemy is trying to deceive us. Just lighten the load. You're doing too much. But I came to declare that the devil is a liar. The devil is a liar. Can somebody shout, the devil is a liar. He is the father of lies, and the truth is not in him. Hebrews 13 and 15 says, By him, therefore, let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God continually. That is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. God loves it when you might be going through a storm and you call on his name. A sacrifice isn't a sacrifice if it's easy. I can want to lose weight all I want to, right? And you know what really gets me, Pastor Hammond and Eddie, you know what gets me? Two things. That's my wife. Chocolate milk and some Starbucks. <laughs> the two, my two weaknesses. Now you can put a bowl of cereal mixed with powdered donuts on top of it. And I can be all right. I can maybe push past that. But if you put chocolate milk and a donut on the table, Judah, where are you at, Judah? <laughs> if I put don't, a donut, a chocolate frosted donut and a chocolate milk on the table, it's hard for me. What am I trying to say? That when goings get tough, when things are rough, when you're feeling tempted, that's when your praise matters the most. That's when your sacrifice to God matters the most. That's the fruit of your lips. That's the sacrifice of praise. God, I don't feel like praising you. I had a rough day, but you're worthy. I had a tough day, but God, you're still on the throne. You sit high and you look low. Amen. When your family's sick, will you still praise him? When you're going through financial trouble, will you still praise him? 
when you're having some issues with your spouse, will you still praise him? Will you still worship him? That's the sacrifice of praise, the fruit of our lips. He loves that. Amen. I'm talking about losing control. Somebody say losing control. The men of the ship finally wake up Jonah and tell him that he needs to pray. You know it's bad when people who don't even know God tell us that we need to pray. I'll say it again. Yes, sir. You know it's bad when people who don't even know God tell us that we as apostolics need to pray. Come on, I know, I know this hurts. I know this is tough, but this is family night. I'm, I'm being transparent with us tonight. It's tough. It's tough. God, help us. Help us. Help us, Jesus. God, the men demand an answer from Jonah. He says, all right, I serve God. The Lord, he's the king of kings, the Lord of lords, the creator of the heavens and the earth, the seas and the dry land. And he says, I'm the reason that this is going on. And they ask him, well, Jonah, what should you do? What should we do? And Jonah says, they need to throw him overboard. And Jonah finally admits that he is the problem. Not the ship, not the crew members, not the people around him. Not the people of Nineveh. They aren't the problem. Jonah, you're the problem. Jonah, you're the problem. Jesus. Let's lift our hands all across this house. Come on, Jonah, would you pray? Come on, somebody, would you lift up your voice? Come on, somebody, would you commune with your king? Would you talk with your king? Would you speak to him? He's dying to hear your voice. Jesus. Jonah admits that he is the problem. And I, I use this analogy. Where's the camera at? Just so I can... Where's the camera at so y'all can see it on the screen? Sorry, y'all, forgive me. Wherever it is, we think that we point at people, right? I'm pointing at, Pastor Hammond, you're the problem. Not me. I'm not doing anything wrong. You're the problem. You're the reason why I'm going through this. Not me. It's not my decisions. It's you. And I know it's so cliche, but when you point one finger at somebody, how many fingers do I have pointing back at me? I'm sorry, a little Sunday school lesson for you right there. Let me tell you, somebody, it could be that we're the problem. It just very well could be. Bishop said it. We try to focus on so many other people, so many different things. We try to change the whole entire environment without changing ourselves. It's way easier for you to change yourself than it is to change everybody here in this house. 
It's way easier for me to change some stuff I got to fix about me, Pastor Hammond, than for me to try to fix you and Brother Nick and Brother Eddie and my wife. Jesus, help us. And Jonah still doesn't pray. But he tries to handle things on his own. He still wants to be in control. No, 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 I'll tell you what to do. You can throw me overboard. I won't jump off. You throw me. I'm telling you what to do. I'm still in control of this situation. This mess that's going on, it's all right. I got it under control. Jesus. And they throw him over. That's it. Peace out, Girl Scout. Gosh. And this is the worst part for me because, you know, side note, this is not in the preaching. I'm terrified of the ocean. Okay? Look, it's not, if it's clear, I can see it. But when I jump in and I look around and there's nothing around, all I hear it, dun, dun. Then it was just some seaweed brushing up against my leg. But let me tell you, this was not the case for Jonah. This was not the case. Then God prepares a fish to eat Jonah. And the Bible says that Jonah was in the belly of the fish for three days. Look, I told you already, I'm scared of the ocean. If I were to even be close to a fish that was as big as me, I'd be speaking in tongues, walking on water. I'm telling you, and I know we're making light of this situation, but imagine being so stubborn, being so hard-headed that we're thrown in the worst of worst situations and say, I won't say a word. I won't open up my mouth at all. Even when a fish swallows you can i just show a show of hands who would pray at that moment if a fish ate you thank you thank you but jonah was not like us jonah refused to pray he was in the belly of the fish for three full days Can I just ask somebody a question? How far and how much do we have to go through to finally lose control? How far do we have to go until we take our hands off of the steering wheel? Jonah 2 and 1 says, then Jonah prayed. That's simple. Jonah thinks back to the Psalms and he prays. And this is what he said. 
Verse number two, and he says, I cried by reason of my affliction unto the Lord, and he heard me out of the belly of hell, cried I, and thou heardest my voice, for thou hast cast me into the deep, in the midst of the seas, and the floods come past me about. All thy billows and thy waves passed over me. Then I said, I am cast out of thy sight, yet I will look again toward thy holy temple. The waters come past me about, even to my soul. The depth closed me round about. The weeds were wrapped around my head. I went down to the bottoms of the mountains. The earth with her bars was about me forever. Yet hast thou brought up my life from corruption, O Lord my God. It's funny because we think, we, we try so many different things to try and fix the problem. When that was five verses, all Jonah prayed was a total, I think it was like nine or ten verses in that chapter. God spit him up. Sometimes we just try to circumvent the process. We just try to mosey our way around. But let me tell you, all God wants you to do is just talk to him. All God wants you to do is just talk to him. Amen. Somebody say, I'm losing control. Jonah 2 and 9, I would like to point out to you. Jonah 2 and 9, it says, But I will sacrifice unto thee with the voice of thanksgiving. And this is the part I really wanted to point out. I will pay that that I have vowed. Salvation is of the Lord. It's time to stop being in control of your own life, somebody. It's time to take my life and to put it in the expert's hands. Music, you can come. I'm almost done. Or just give him some hope. Now I know what Bishop means. The Bible says that Jesus is the author and finisher of our faith. Can I just tell somebody, let the author have his way in your life. Let the author write your story. Somebody, you got to take the pen out of your own hand and stop trying to write it like how you want it. Let the author have his way. You can never write better than the author. You can never try to make your life as good as God would make it for you. We just try to abort the process because this chapter I do not like. This chapter bothers me. This says a storm with my name on it. This chapter says I'm losing control. We'd be halfway through your story, not liking how the author is writing your story. So you force God's hand and try to write your own. Somebody take the pen out of your own hand. Come on, it's simple. Just let go. Just let go. Just lose control. Just let go. Stop letting people tell you how your story should be. 
you know, I'm going to just be very vulnerable with you guys tonight. I remember I loved football. I love football. Still like to play. We're going to play on Saturday in Jesus' name. Hopefully I don't pull something. I've been running, so. But I remember I was working at the school I was working at, and two people who I didn't know just throwing the football around. And, you know, every young kid's who's not apostolic, because we're not going to get into that, but you shouldn't be playing sports. And is that all right? Can everybody say amen? I mean, we're playing for fun. And I'm throwing the ball to somebody. Boom. What you call a laser, a dot. And I remember this guy came up to me. He said, man, pastor, he said, bro, he said, you missed your calling. You missed your calling. What are you doing working here in school? You should be playing football. What are you doing here? And you know, me all, I'm apostolic. <clears throat> no, 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 no. You know, I have, a, I have a greater calling. You know, I'm a youth pastor and stuff like that. He said, no, you're missing it. You're missing it. And then a few days later, a different person, someone I worked with, he said, you know, he said, man, you should have played football. You probably would have made it to be, to be something. And you know, the enemy will always tempt you with what you're driven by. He's never going to tempt you with you're going to be a scientist, by golly. He said, no. He said, you should have been what you desired. Whew. You should have been what you thought you should have been. You should take the pen and write your own story. Let me tell you, that's a lie from the pits of hell itself. That's a lie. You could tell somebody, you know what? When someone tries to tell you what to do, Eddie, you shouldn't live like that. Man, you're going through it right now. You tell them, this isn't my final resting place. God has something greater for me. Something that I could never have imagined. God has something great for me. Amen. You got to let God have his way. Amen. God's been calling us to deep places, not just individually, but as a body, a deeper commitment. It says it on Thursday night prayers, deep calleth unto deep. Brother Stewart, if we want to kill the horses, it's in the deep places. See, the problem with deep water is we can handle when it's to our ankles. We can handle when it's to our knees. We can handle it when it's to our waist. But you see, when it gets to the point where it's so deep, we hate it because we lose control. God's trying to take us 
and me, myself, God's trying to take everybody here to a deeper level of commitment. But, you know, we're struggling because you know why? I'm out of my element. I'm not in control like I used to be. I'm losing control of things. It seems like things are going around and just things are in chaos. You got to let go, somebody. I don't know who I'm talking to tonight, but you got to let go. Lose control. When you're in deep water, you can't just come and go as you please. But we have to follow the flow of the current. You have to follow the moving of the spirit. There are some things that I'm not going to want to do. There are some things in life that you're not going to want to do. But who is in control? You or him? And the thing is, is God is a gentleman. He will never force us. But if you're just like me, you can't get that voice out of your head of God calling you. Come on. Come out. Come deeper. Spend time with me. Commune with me. Come to the deep place, the secret place. And the thing is, is he's got greater things for you. He's got greater things for you in the deep places. I've got blessings and anointing waiting for us. I've got blessings and anointing waiting for you. The problem is, is if you have control, the blessing will end up killing you. Let's stand all across this house. I'm almost done. Jesus was in the Garden of Gethsemane, and he knew his time had come. He prayed and said, let this cup pass from me. This is too much for me. But Jesus had a job to do, just like Jonah and just like the Rock Church of Fort Myers. We got a job to do. My brother, my sister, I don't know what God is trying to call you to do, but he's trying to get your attention and tell you to do something. Both of them lost control. And this is not in my notes, but, you know, Jesus didn't have to die for us. He didn't have to lay down his life, but he willingly did. For you and for me and for the whole world. And you know what he says? He says, Brother Desmond, it's the perfect trade-off. You're in your sins. I'm not. I'm going to take your place so that eventually when I come back and I fill you with my spirit, you can take mine. <laughs> Jesus didn't go walk around and just lay hands on people for fun. He was teaching the disciples when I'm gone, do this. There's going to be a time where I won't be here, so make sure you're paying attention. 
Watch what I'm doing. Watch how I pray. Watch how I handle the people of God. And Jesus willingly laid down his life because he had the hopes that somebody would say, I'm going to lose control of my life. God, you can take me wherever you want to take me. God, you can lead me wherever you want to lead me. And you don't have to do that. And Jesus didn't have to die for us either. But there's some things that I bet Jesus wished he would have seen. Or there's some things that Jesus wished where he would have gone. But he says, you know what? I'm going to leave that for Peter. I'm going to leave that for James. I'm going to leave that for Matthew. Because you know what? I want them to walk where I couldn't. And he could have. But he says, you know what? I had a job to do. I had to lay down my life so that they can keep moving forward. So that they can keep my message going forward. Matthew 16, 24 and 25 says this. Then said Jesus unto his disciples, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whosoever will save his life, shall lose it. And whosoever shall lose his life for my sake shall find it. Can I just say it in the John Sferlaza version? When you let go and you lose control and it's no longer about you, it's no longer about your will, it's about his will. You're going to find purpose. You're going to find the life you've been looking for. You want to find your life? Lose control and let God have his way. You want to find purpose? Surrender yourself to God. It's that simple, somebody. Don't try to make it complicated. Don't try and think too hard about it. All you need to do is let go and let God have his way. Can we come to the front tonight as we stand and as we come before the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords? Can we just lift our hands in the presence of the Lord and just say, God, God, I'm losing control. God, there's some things that are going on that I try to take control of the situation. But God, I'm going to lose control. God, I'm letting go right now. Come on, somebody. Don't be like Jonah and don't try to just hold your tongue. Somebody open up your mouth and talk to him. Open up your mouth. And talk to him. Can somebody just surrender tonight? Can somebody just open up your mouth and surrender? Come on, somebody, just say that. 
God, I say yes. God, I say yes. I'm surrendering. God, not my will. Not my will. Not my way. Not how I want it to be done. But God, how you want it to be done. Come on, somebody, why don't you pray? Why don't you open up your mouth and pray? I say Come on, somebody. I Your answer is when you say yes. Your answer is when you surrender. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 